Hey guys, welcome to the Boating Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so um, continuing on with this uh, theme of slightly going away in the last couple episodes here, uh, at least with the last one anyway, uh, from specifically hunting and bow hunting, I just wanted to talk about a few things, uh, veer away a little bit at least for other things that kind of interest me that uh, that I thought might also interest you. So last week, our last episode, we had Nick Otto from Hunt of War on. Had great conversations with him about uh, you know different cuts of meat and just not not your typical like burger and backstrap kind of thing. So. Um, you know, I always enjoy talking to him. He, he's a foodie. Uh, he, he nerds out on food and cooking like I do. I love it. Um, but this episode, I wanted to talk about like whiskeys and bourbon, which is something that I've, I'm kind of relatively new to. I've gotten into in the last, I'm going to say, year and a half, maybe. Uh, not too far into that journey myself, obviously. But uh, this, this episode, I have Josh from uh, the Stuff and Whiskey channel. Now, Josh and Aaron... They're a married couple. They uh, they run stuff and whiskey. Great YouTube channel, and they're one of the first ones I started uh, uh, watching when I first got into this. And so, just to give it a little bit of a backdrop, like for for years, I've tried to like uh, like scotch. Like my parents love scotch, right? They uh, um, they'll have like an, an, you know afternoon. They're retired, of course. You know, afternoon hits. They'll sit down with uh, some I don't know cheese crackers whatever or like some mixed nuts or something like that and you know they'll have their their scotch on the rocks i have tried for years and years and years to, to get into the whiskey thing the, the scotch thing and I, I just can't i've tried it neat i've tried it over rocks i've tried it in all kinds of ways i just I, I can't i can't get it i don't like it but the bourbon thing was you know kind of uh growing right it's it's it's, it's popping up all over the place and it kind of struck me as like okay well maybe this is different because i'd never really had a good bourbon and what really sets it apart from uh any other whiskey or the irish whiskey or canadian or, or scotch or whatever right so uh and, and we talk about this in the episode but i went to a local liquor store and i said hey you know give me give me like a good representative bourbon that um that someone would you know not uh scoff their uh you know the, the nose at or whatever and i, I just want to know like what a good representation would be so that I know whether A, I do like it or no, it's going to go into the pile of, I, I, I definitely don't like anything that has to do with whiskey. And, um, the bottle that gave me, that's a brand called Basil Hayden, you know, and I was like, okay, this is different. I like this. This is very cool. And then that kind of started this whole journey of like, I'm going to try different bottles. I'm going to try different brands. I'm going to try different, um, uh, you know, flavor profiles, that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's like, it's like a little mini, mini hobby, I guess that kind of got that, that got, <laughs> not that I need other hobbies, but you know, here we are. So, um, about a year, year and, you know, like I said, four months or something like that into this. And, uh, I've watched a lot of channels. I've watched a lot of stuff, but you know, stuff and whiskey, I, I come back to all the time. Uh, they were the first ones I subscribed to, you know, in this, in this space and they're just very approachable, right there. It's nothing pretentious about any, not, not that the other channels are pretentious either. They're, they're all very cool. They all approach, um, you know, reviews and, you know, talking about bourbons and things like that in, in, from, from, you know, different, uh, from different angles, but I really like the way, uh, Josh and Aaron do theirs. It's, uh, like I said, it's, they're, they're, they're very honest about, you know, their abilities to, you know, pick out notes and flavors and things like that. They say themselves, they are not professional, you know, whiskey tasters. So you're getting a, a, a pretty honest review from two different palettes, um, of, you know, various things that they try. So their channel that, you know, they put out a lot of content. I think they do like, like, like three or four, um, episodes or, or, or uh, pieces of content, you know, per week. 
So it'll be either, you know, trying this one bottle or doing like a blind tasting, you know, head to head or diving in on a topic. And it's really informative. I really, really enjoy watching it, watching them. And I've been trying to get them on, um, on the podcast for man, it's been like like six seven months probably, right? It's it's probably been it was before hunting season probably, uh, or maybe like right in the beginning of hunting season. So it, so it's been a while. They are extremely busy. I am extremely busy. And finally today, you know, uh, Josh was off of work and today's my one day off of work and Aaron was working, but so she couldn't join. But um, I'm like, man, I don't care. I just want to talk to you guys. Let's do it. So we got a uh, we we got the. Uh, uh, podcast done midday. It was it was great, um, super cool getting to actually like like chit chat with him and nerd out about all the stuff that uh, you know is is interesting to you know he he's way 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 you know f- far more uh, knowledgeable about all of this stuff you know but it was it's still cool nerding out with with uh, someone that you know has like similar interests similar interests and and um, yeah I'm really glad we got we got to connect so so Josh thank you for uh, for coming on I really really appreciate it Aaron I wish you could have been on too but um, yeah. I'm still, I'm still gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely gonna keep, uh, keep watching you guys. I look forward to all the content you guys produce, and I know, um, even the minimal amount of content that I put out compared to like other people, I know how much effort it takes, and for these guys to do it, it's a lot. So definitely go follow Josh and Aaron Stuff and Whiskey uh, on the YouTube channel. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it if you're interested in any of it. So this episode is really uh, partially is like a whiskey 101 kind of thing. And partially, you know, we dive into some like deeper topics, um, some some not not so entry level topics or whatever. We kind of cover it all. And honestly, we were like an hour and a half into this. We're like, oh, man, we better wrap this up because because he had to go pick up his uh, his kid. I had to go pick up my kid. So um, we time flew by because we were just, you know, we'd never spoken before. And, you know, again, when you. When you have two passionate people talking about something with a similar interest, I mean, the time just time just flies by. So, anyway, um, I'm not going to babble too much on about that. You'll uh, you'll you'll get the you know the the details of it obviously in the podcast. Um, what else? Other news? Uh, like I said, I am still uh, doing the uh, the Push Archery Center of uh, Knowledge, which is uh, partially you know this podcast is partially brought to you by you know Push Archery, right? Uh, the uh, Center of Knowledge. Uh, go check out that that bow hunter, uh, the, the precision tuning for the bow hunter course. It is it is really really good. Um, they dive really deep into the weeds, and um, man, they, they really pick apart stuff that uh, you may not have thought about. Even if you're like an expert tuner, there's probably stuff in there that you've never even thought about before. So uh, they're doing a great job. I'm probably like I said, I'm about third of the way halfway through, maybe something like that. And it's uh, yeah, I'm, I, I love consuming that content. So I'll leave links for that below. And uh, also going to leave a link for uh, that knife I've been reviewing uh, the, uh, from Hiko Ito, right? Hiko Ito Knives. Uh, they are knife and he's, he's he, they, he is knife and arrow on, on Instagram. I'll leave a link on this one too. Um, like I said, I'm kind of reviewing that knife. If you want, if you want to check out the, uh, the YouTube channel, I did a very brief introduction, uh, introductory uh, initial review on that thing. I really can't put it through its paces until obviously, you know, hunting season or if I'm in the outdoors a lot. But right now, you know, we're, we're buried in snow right now. So, um, but 
He's got some very cool stuff. I will leave links to that below. I'll leave links to uh, the Push uh, uh, Archery Center of Knowledge below. And yeah, other than that, thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate the feedback. I hope you like this kind of off-brand content a little bit. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, hey, it's my channel. I like I like talking about or my podcast. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. But I know um, a lot of you guys might also be into in, into whiskeys and bourbons, and uh, whether you're experts at it or just kind of you know entering into it and have a lot of questions, then this is the podcast for you. So again, Josh, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. And uh, without any further ado, here is my interview with Josh from Stuff and Whiskey. Soon it should see on your screen starting recording. Yep, it, takes, it, takes, it, it takes a little bit. Okay, Perfect. there we go. Perfect. All right. So um, Josh, we have one half of Stuff and Whiskey on here. Um, is of one half of Josh and Aaron, basically from the Stuff and Whiskey YouTube channel, and uh, welcome to the show. First of all, I, I'm glad we could do this. Thanks for having me, man. I know we've been trying to set it up for a while, and uh, getting the two of us together, it's tough to pin down schedule wise, but you know we're really happy to happy to be able to make this happen. At least for one of us, I'm upstairs doing this, and and she's downstairs working. So. No, I, I, I get it. And uh, we've been trying to do this for many, 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 many months. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into we'll get into some of the whys or whatever. But um, so what I want to do with this episode, it has nothing to do with hunting, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I like talking to just I, I, I like talking to people that 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 I have kind of you know similar interests or whatever. Right. So about a year and a half ago or so um, for one run reason or another, I I got into, I got onto this kind of like this, this bourbon journey, right? Um, for years and years, my parents, and my parents are like scotch people, right? They, they'll sit down in the afternoon, they'll have their mixed nuts and, and scotch, like a glass of, you know, <laughs> on the rocks or whatever. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I'm like 48, right? So um, for, for many years, I've tried to like it. And I just, I've tried different ones. And I just, I've just come to the realization I'm not a scotch guy like a whiskey guy right but then i hear all this stuff about Mm -hmm. bourbon and it seems like bourbon now um and i fully admit i'm on the bandwagon right i'm raising my hand um is kind of what like some of the the craft beer thing went through about 15 20 years ago you know what i mean and um it's super popular it's always on my radar and i'm like you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna try i'm gonna i'm gonna try this but i didn't really know the differences and stuff so i started of course watching um well, I mean, where else do you go nowadays, right? You go to YouTube. So yep. you, your guys' channel popped up, and uh, I really liked your guys' banter. Um, it wasn't pretentious. Uh, you know, it was it was very informative, that kind of thing. I'm like, all right, I could I can kind of get into this. And, you know, a, a year and a bit later, you know, here we are. And uh, I had actually gone to a local liquor store over here about, a, like again, like a year ago, I'm going to say like Thanksgiving a year ago and coming into the holiday season. And I went in there and I said, look, uh, I'm not a scotch guy, but I'm trying to understand this bourbon thing. So so point me to a shelf that um, that has or, or point me to something that a quote unquote actual bourbon drinker would go and drink and not not kind of scoff their nose at. Right. Don't give me the bottom shelf. Don't give me the top shelf. Just a good representation of what this really is so i can understand once and for all whether i like this or not and then he he pointed me at a bottle of um uh, basil hayden right so took it mm-hmm. home and, and i know it's not your favorite it's not my favorite now anymore but it was a good kind of entry level and, I, and as soon as i sniffed it as soon as i'm like ah okay 
I get it. This is not the scotch that my parents drink. No, it is not. <laughs> it is not. It's totally different. So with that said, I kind of want to treat this episode as a bit of a beginner's guide to, you know, whiskeys and, you know, labels and, you know, uh, bourbons, that kind of stuff. So um, maybe we can kind of, you know what, I'm kind of jump on the gun here. Um even though I did kind of introduce you guys as, um, you know, stuff on whiskey, you know, we can kind of just jump into that real quick. Like you want to, you want to tell a little bit about yourself um, and Aaron, of course, and then just kind of a quick kind of uh, uh, recap of your, of your channel. Yeah, man. I think that uh, you hit a lot of the highlights and I was really glad to hear some of the things you said about it come through because when we started this thing, it was really the type of thing where when we got together, we both, come from semi-creative backgrounds i i feel really weird calling myself a creative it feels super pretentious um but we both were photographers in former lives as i like to say and um i've had a camera in my hand since i was 15 16 years old and i'm 39 now but when we started the channel 37 and uh it was the sort of thing that you know we would sit around in the evenings and i would have a pour of bourbon and I would let Aaron try a drink of it. And right around this time, I was probably getting deep nerd, as, as I like to say it. You know, I was I was really going overboard the last, you know, year or two before that, really immersing myself in the bourbon scene. But I had been involved in bourbon since like the early 2000s. Uh, went to college in Western Kentucky, Bowling Green. Um, and, you know, when you went to parties and stuff or tailgates or whatever, you know, it was like Keystone light or Evan Williams black label. And <laughs> I always picked the bourbon, even though I, I like beer as well, but you know, I was just more of a bourbon guy. And so I came back to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where we live, where I grew up after college and, you know, started going to new year's parties and things like that. And I was the weirdo showing up with a bottle of bourbon. People are like, what are you doing, man? Where's the, where's the beer or the wine? And I was like, dude, this stuff is good. I don't know what to tell you. Let's try it. And, you know, everybody goes through their beginning phases. Uh, but, you know, I would show up with a bottle of Basil Hate or, or Four Roses Small Batch. Or back then it would sit on the shelves, Eagle Rare or something like that. And, you know, just lower proof, easy sippers that really are prototypical bourbon. And my friends started getting really deep into it in the early teens. And they were going out and waiting in lines and camping overnight for Pappy Van Winkle and all this stuff. And I had better things to do with my time back then, I guess. Um, I was more interested in girls and fun and all that stuff and not waiting in line for bourbon. So if I would have gotten in back then, I probably would have some cool bottles on the shelf. But I drink everything we buy anyway, so I probably wouldn't actually. But uh, spin that forward to, to Aaron and I meeting starting to spend more time together and, you know, then eventually getting married and we're sitting around, I'm getting deep nerd into bourbon at this point. I'm beyond just grabbing whatever's on the shelf and I'm starting to look for specific things and, and learning more about some of the things that you have said that you're interested in learning more about, like, you know, more of the details about some of the designations behind bourbon, some of the laws that kind of mandate it's, um, I was going to say manufacturing, but just the, the process of, of making it and putting it in a bottle and putting it on a shelf. I was getting more nerdy into that kind of stuff. 
And uh, I was watching a lot of YouTube as a result of that. So I had my channels that I really enjoyed. And it's very, um, you know, people say, oh, it's humbling when people say good things. It's honestly, it's kind of weird that people know who we are, you know, (laughs) but it's the sort of thing that Aaron was saying things that I saw no other channel saying about what was in the glass. And I couldn't pull out 15 different tasting notes when I took a sip. But I could get a few, and then she was saying stuff that was really off the wall and, you know, very much like, front of my uh, things. Like stinky feet and uh, rocking chair in front of, uh, uh, what is it? <laughs> Crack, uh, the Cracker, cracker barrel. barrel. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, any other channel would have just said oak. What? Or, you know, uh, like some funk. But for her, it's stinky feet and the rocking chair in front of the Cracker Barrel. So, or an old dusty attic or something. And... I just I loved hearing the things that she would say, and I felt like when I was looking around at the landscape of the what we call the whiskey tube space, the whiskey YouTube channels, um, everybody has their own type of thing. Like some people are very good at tasting notes, and some people are very good at you know relaying the experience that they're having. And there's a lot of high production value with it, which I really appreciate being a camera nerd. And then I would see other channels that were far more relatable for me personally speaking as someone who can't pull out 15 different tasting notes, but their production value just wasn't as high as I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I think I can do high production value, but we could try to bring a more approachable perspective to the world of whiskey, particularly bourbon and rye, because I'm more of a bourbon guy and Aaron is more, as we joke, the rye guy, but yeah, she's a rye girl. So um yeah we just that was kind of the genesis of the channel and to hear that it comes across that way like we're we haven't lost that you know we haven't lost that approachable demeanor that we have and and we haven't gone too high level with our tasting notes um you know we really try to make sure that the content that we're putting out there is first and foremost fun for us to make because if it wasn't it wouldn't be sustainable but then in addition to that, that it's hopefully helpful to people who are watching it because it kind of goes hand in hand with the production value thing. But, you know, we put a high level of production value out because we feel like it's respectful to the audience that's watching the videos. And then we want to make sure that the content we're covering is also helpful for people because we don't want to waste anyone's time because we realize that time is very precious for people. So, um, yeah, man, that that's where it started about two years ago, as we're talking right now, maybe a little bit longer than that. And uh, there was a lot of uh, laying the groundwork to to kind of get the channel geared up and ramped up. And, you know, we put down a, a lot of runway, so to speak, to make sure that we could produce and release content on a regular basis with variable schedules and things like that. And, uh, and we launched the channel in April of 2021. And yeah, it, it just kind of took off from there, but you know, we're, we're still the same people that started the channel. We're, we joke all the time. We're not professional whiskey tasters, um, but we sure have a whole lot of fun with it. And uh, I know I've been talking for a minute here, but I I would (laughs) like to just say, I want to thank you for having me on. And I know that you, you know, said you're just getting into this and obviously this is a hunting podcast, but you know, I'm not a hunter myself specifically speaking but i have a family full of hunters 
I'll never go out by myself, but I do go out with family members when they're going hunting. Um, not bow hunting, unfortunately, but multiple different kinds uh, of other hunting. And, you know, in my mind, after a hunt, you come back, you just, you know, kick the boots off and you sit down with a glass and you kind of recall the tales of the day and everything. And it's, it's hard to beat a glass of bourbon in that scenario in my mind. Yeah, it, to- totally. Um, I, I, I like, yeah, it, I, I like that. It kind of gives that whole, um, like hunting, hunting camp kind of, uh, you know, feel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, you know, b- backing up, backing up to what you said, it, it is one of the reasons I started liking, liking you guys because, um, you, you, what, what was it? You said something about it, the, the approachableness of it, because mm-hmm. you're not like saying, oh, well, it has, well, you are, you are kind of getting into a little bit of like, oh, it's got notes of this, it's got flavors of that kind of thing. But I think the way you guys, especially the way Aaron does it too, is it's more, she's saying, okay, well, this gives me a feeling of dot, dot, dot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of puts you into a visual <laughs> uh, space, you know, it feels like I'm in, like you said, dusty attic or, or and then you immediately know you may not be able to pick out the exact like, you know, you may not be able to know like the exact terminology of of, of what that's supposed to be. But it puts you in a, in, a, in a time and place and gives you a feeling of if you sip this, this is the feeling that you're going to get. So, I, I, you know, I'm like, oh, this is a fresh approach, you know, um, not mm-hmm. not that there's yeah. the, the other the other channels, you know, I watch a few others, but um, not I haven't really seen any of them that are like really pretentious. I'm sure there are, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess you guys were like my first. So you're my favorite. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. Um, you know, funny enough, I don't I don't think I can recall of any channels that are pretentious. I just think that people are really good at different things. And yeah. You know, hey, if I could if I could taste a glass of whiskey and get more than three tasting notes off of it, believe me, I would have a channel where I was telling you, you know, 10 or 15 notes if I could. But I can't do that. And Erin especially can't. And she doesn't. And I try, but she just doesn't care to try. She's just going to say what comes to front of mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my favorite thing for her when is when we smell something and she goes, mm, smells like whiskey. And then we take a drink of it, and she goes, mm, "Tastes like whiskey." Yep, yep, you know? straight and, up, yep. And yeah, oh, vanilla caramel smells like whiskey. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and especially if you know most of the things that we drink are blind because we want to try to be as unbiased as possible. So we have systems in place that keep us from knowing what we're drinking until we do the reveal, which is a lot of fun for us. Hopefully, helpful for the audience because we're not just giving the same tasting notes that you might have already heard. You know, if it's, for instance, if you're drinking Jack Daniels, anybody who knows Jack Daniels tasting notes is going to tell you, like, I can tell you Jack Daniels tasting notes right now without having a glass in front of me. But if I had a glass in front of me, I would taste all those same things. You know, the banana, the banana bread, the brown sugar, the Mm -hmm. vanilla, like it's, you know, if I'm looking right at it and drinking it, that's one thing. But if it's totally unknown to me, we hope we're giving different types of notes. And if it's, something special and by that i mean something that people pay a lot of money for or wait in line for or enter raffles for or you know heaven forbid pay three or four times the amount it's actually supposed to be you know like paying three hundred dollars for a sixty dollar bottle of bourbon then and aaron just says well mm, smells and tastes like whiskey it kind of demystifies Uh some of the uh some of the you know, there's n- I don't know of any pretentious channels, but there can be some, you know, as with any hobby, you know, there can be some pretension in the, hey, I got this thing that's hard to find. You don't have it or look at me. I've got this thing. And it's, you know, it's 
you're going to get me started on like social media culture now and stuff, but <laughs> there's so, there's so much look at me, which is a really ironic thing to say for a guy who has a YouTube channel, <laughs> but you know, it's, we really try to frame our content around being helpful and informative while hopefully trying to be a little bit entertaining versus, you know, just posting up on Instagram, like here's a cool bottle I got. And that's cool to celebrate too. And, and no shade at that, but, um, it, it just, it lacks that helpfulness that I want to have tied to content I'm putting out there. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's crazy. Um, we, we can, we can visit some of these, like, you know, what an allocated is and all that stuff a little bit later, but it's funny, kind of funny. Like mm-hmm. I, um, I started working, uh, um, cause my, my normal shifts are like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right. And, and Wednesday, but then, you know, I was like working. So Tuesday, Thursday, I work part-time. Um, my buddy just, you know, down the street, he owns this, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a butcher shop, deli, soup, sandwiches, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I love to cook. So I'm like, Oh, great. I get to go sit there and make food all day long. Right. But he's got like a ton of wine and a ton of bourbon there. And he's got a huge bourbon selection. Right. Cause he's, he's, he's big into that now too. So, um, so there's always cool stuff coming in and we kind of nerd out about that stuff. And that just happened to happen by the way, you know, the whole, like the, the, the bourbon thing. But, um, recently was a couple less than a couple about a month month and a half ago or whatever we got um he got a bottle of uh, um a pappy van winkle and a bottle of uh mid midsummer night dram right and yeah, people were West, off- yeah, midwinter night dram yeah and people were yeah. offering him like fifteen hundred dollars for this bottle right and he put it on social and he's like you know what and it, he doesn't like playing the whole like okay well uh, you know, I've got this, so I'm just going to like jack up prices and sell it for the highest bidder kind of thing. So, Cause he's trying to drum up business for like his store. Right. So mm-hmm. he, he did this kind of raffle, like, Hey, spend a hundred bucks um, or whatever. Then you're, en- then you're entered into a raffle and then you can buy it for retail, you know, which is like, like a hundred dollar bottle and a $150 bottle. And people were, I mean, some of like the true, like, <laughs> I don't want to call them psychos, but I mean, people were kind of pissed off. Like, man, I, I'll, I'll pay you, come in there right now and pay you in like a thousand bucks or blah, blah, blah. And, and they were getting mad at him for not selling him this stuff at like the stupid in, inflated prices. And he's like, I'm not going to do that, but this is nuts. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just bourbon, <laughs> you yeah, know, and it's... there's, and, and some of it, again, like you could taste it and it may be the best thing that you've ever tasted. I could taste it and I'd be like, eh, it, it's, it's okay. It's, it's no better than the than the wild turkey sitting next to it because that maybe my palate isn't as as uh, uh, developed or whatever you know what I mean but th- there's there's a whole that whole market that whole aftermarket thing uh, secondary market thing was just kind of blew my mind like I didn't even know something like that existed yeah and it's you know I'm not a gamer guy but I have friends who are into video gaming and they've dealt with this in regards to Boy, I'm going to really butcher this, but whatever PlayStation is out right now, maybe five or six or 15. I don't know what how many they're making now, but um, it's sounding well beyond my age at this point. But it's just I was never a big video game guy. But, you know, my best friend is and, you know, he's like many generations ago, got sick of people just buying stuff because they could buy it and then turning around and selling it for profit because they bought it all. And now they have all of the supply, you know, and it's. You know, it, it happens in so many hobbies, and I don't know if it happens in, in hunting hobbies, but it I think it really permeates all kinds of hobbies where, yeah. you know, if like, let's just say, you know, there's some like, you know, crazy nice craftsmanship over under shotgun that, yeah. you know, my dad wanted to buy to go 
do pheasant hunting or something. Great. Awesome. That's really cool. But there's only so many of them. So then if somebody buys them, eventually, once the supply is gone, those prices could start to rise. And then, you know, it's, it's this commoditization of things that used to depreciate, you know, used to mm-hmm. used items used to be more inexpensive than new items. Yeah. And in the in the last handful of years, it seems to have switched a little bit on us. And the same thing happens with bourbon, not in the sense that it is used, but if you own something that, you know, as an individual, if you own something that a store sold you and it's hard to get, well, now you can turn around and technically illegally resell that because you don't have a liquor license. So it's not like selling up a, a PlayStation 5 or mm-hmm. a really nice handmade shotgun or something like that. But you can turn around and you can sell that highly coveted prized bottle for, I mean, again, the Pappy Van Winkle uh, thing is a perfect thing, a perfect uh, example, because those bottles, depending on the year it is, are going to range and cost anywhere between 80 and $300 if you get it at suggested retail price. But they resell for a thousand to fifteen hundred to yep. two to three to four to five thousand. And if he wants to hang on to that 2022 Pappy Van Winkle until 2032, just the fact that it's 10 years older is going to make it infinitely more collectible and expensive to purchase. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And especially in, in this space, too, where. Um, uh, you know, individual like like year to year, batch to batch, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. when when you kind of really start nerding out on this, right? Guys start to see like, okay, uh, I don't know, pick pick a pick a distillery or whatever, right? They have a certain um, batch that they make, and and, and I don't really I fully understand it now. I mean, I kind of do, but um, and they'll make that for I don't know, however many, whatever, however long the run is, and then when they make the next kind of batch, it, 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 theoretically it should be the same, but batch to batch well there's kind of differences in how it tastes and, and how it smells and, and that kind of stuff so um it's it's not even just like the, the the brand and the actual uh uh product it is the batch to batch of that product which theoretically should be the same but it's not so then you also have that going on under, underneath all that driving some of this uh, oh you got to have this batch but not that batch you know like batch i don't know uh what do they say what was elijah craig now right this a123 i keep hearing about right um I don't know. Are they going to have an A124? I don't. I don't know how that works. But then, is it going to compare to this one? Because this this one seems to be highly lauded. You know. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. It's. You know that this, this is the mega nerd stuff that I do enjoy <laughs> on a personal level. Um, but it, it's you know it. You're talking about this sense of. All right. Here's this kind of niche thing here. There's the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof A123 that comes out in technically january of 2023 from the heaven hill distillery and everybody's talking about how good this batch is well once that is gone it's gone and so it's the sort of thing that you can kind of key in on things like that and get really nerdy about it but even going back to something you said earlier you were talking about the pappy van winkle and you know you could pay a bunch of money for this thing or, or win it in a raffle it might not be any better for you than wild turkey 101 and it's not even about palate development or how long you've been drinking or anything like that. It could literally just be your taste buds. Like yeah. some some people like 
lobster and some people like cheeseburgers. Like I'm a cheeseburger guy, you know, I'm not saying I I don't like lobster or whatever, but it's, you know, I, I kind of have, you know, I don't want to say simple tastes or whatever, but I I have very classic bourbon tastes. And so when things start Mm -hmm. to push the fringes of being a little bit more esoteric and in what they're offering, you know, a lot of times it doesn't really land for me. And those are the types of bottles that for better, for worse, for indifferent, they're the things they tend to not make in as much supply of because they're not going to be as popular for the masses. So when you go out there and you get a bottle, let's say you do pay a lot of money for something with a very large age statement on it, like it says it's 15 years old and you buy this thing and it literally tastes like you're licking a piece of wood that got burnt with a blowtorch and you hate it but you paid all this money for it and it's supposed to be really good because it was yeah. expensive and old and all this stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's this type of thing that, you know, not to, not to self-promote here or whatever, but like with the blind tastings that we do on the channel, it, that kind of takes all of that price and, and the, the hype of the label or how good it's supposed to be. It takes it all out of the equation and it really just gets down to your taste. And at the end of the day, you know, I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this, who's, you know, maybe just a year or two into trying whiskey and trying to find out what they like. Nobody can tell you what you like except yourself. You know, you got to trust your own palate. And when you taste something, if you're just, you know, forget how much you paid for it, and which is hard to do sometimes, if you spend a lot of money on something, you want to like it. And you know, if, if it comes across weird or sideways for you, you know, if you paid a lot of money for it, sometimes that's, you know, them's the breaks, but it's an expensive learning lesson. And that's why I always really try to steer people toward, you know, start with some of the beginner stuff, start with your Basil Hayden, start with, you know, your Old Forester 86 proof, start with, you know, anything in like the 90 proof range that looks interesting to you and try that at whatever price level you're comfortable purchasing at and see how that hits your palate. And then if you really like it, great. Then you can search for things like that or ask your local store, say, Hey, I tried, you know, I tried this bottle of uh, Elijah Craig, small batch, 94 proof. I really like it. What's something I could try that's similar to this, but a little different. And then hopefully that shop owner can steer you in a good direction or you can lean on, you know, the whiskey tube community, the online community, run some searches and and find some things that are a little bit more keyed into your own personal taste because money doesn't grow on trees, you know, like mm-hmm. we really try to be mindful of the fact that things we say on camera could lead to people spending their hard-earned money on things that we say are really good. So we always try to speak to why we enjoy something rather than just say, "Oh, this is so good, you got to get this," you know. We try to say, oh, this is so good because of these reasons. You got to get this if you like this type of thing rather than just making these universal statements because you're dealing in matters of taste. You know, it's, it's not as objective as, uh, you know, I'm going to I was about to say something like, you know, the, the pull force on like a bowstring or something, you know, yeah. or how or how much power a certain bow has. That's that's a quantitative measurable unit of something, whereas taste is entirely subjective yeah 
Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know what I realized, Josh? We're we're like we're like 26 minutes into recording here. We haven't even talked about what makes a whiskey a whiskey and a bourbon a bourbon. You know that? This is what happens when we <laughs> this is what happens when we start like like all of a sudden like doing this like nerd uh, nerd out like like word word vomit. You know what I mean? So, um, so so let's so, so let's let's do like a 101 here, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people who are new to this, like they don't, they, they may not know the difference between like what is a whiskey, what is a bourbon, what are the definitions of those, what is a rye, uh, what is a scotch, that kind of thing. I mean, and we don't have to dive like super deep into them, but I mean, you want to just kind of give like the overview of like what the differences are. Yeah, absolutely. And and this can even go pretty nerdy and deep in and of itself. But mm-hmm. I really try to keep these types of things fairly surface level because the understanding that you need to have of the categories of whiskey out there um, are really pretty simple. And, and people try to complicate it more than it is. And, and you don't have to do that. You don't have to know all that there is to know about it. Simply put, whiskey is just a distilled spirit that has been aged in a barrel and the different types of whiskey that you're going to hear about, if you're looking at the shelves, by and large indicate where they're from. So like scotch is from Scotland and Irish whiskey is from Ireland, you know, Japanese from Japan, Canada, you know, Canadian whiskey is from Canada. The, the funny or not funny, but the interesting thing about bourbon is that it is America's native spirit. There are a lot of legal protections around the term bourbon because bourbon can only be made in the United States and it is a somewhat of a misnomer or a misconception that bourbon has to be made in the state of Kentucky. And that is not true. It has to be made in the United States. A lot of it comes from Kentucky because that's kind of where it was born, but you know, bourbon can be made from everywhere. So all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. All scotch is whiskey but not all whiskey is scotch it's, it's that sort of thing you know and so when it gets down to it you know when you go deeper than that like you go one level deeper that's where you start to get into the differences of whiskeys so like bourbon is an american whiskey that happens to be made up of a recipe that is at least 51 percent of the grain that is corn whereas rye is a whiskey that can be made in america or in other places canada makes a lot of rye poland makes some really good rye but that specific whiskey has to be made up of a recipe of grains that is predominantly rye so at least 51 percent more or more of the grain that is rye and so it's you know you can get really nerdy and i'm sure you know you start talking about percentages and grains and you know mash bills and all that stuff and it it can start to make people's head spin and i know that because it used to make my head spin because i would hear people talk about mash bills and i would say i don't know what that is i'm checking out of this conversation (laughs) so and and that's just the recipe right i mean yeah it's just you know a, a lot of whiskey is one two or three distilled grains that are aged in a barrel and so you know, over in Scotland, a lot of that stuff is just 100% malted barley that they distill, throw it in a barrel, let it age for however long they want to let it age for before they decide that it's ready and they want to put it in a bottle and sell it to you and I. Whereas, you know, here in America, you know, a lot of times you're dealing with at least two, if not most of the time, three grains. It's corn, a little bit of barley, 
and rye or wheat to make bourbon. And, you know, distilleries can pick and choose what they want to use for their grain bill or their grain recipe or what we nerdy people tend to call the mash bill. And like Maker's Mark, for instance, is a very popular weeded bourbon. Uh, And that is to say that by saying it's a bourbon, you know that it's made in America. By saying it's a bourbon, you also know that it's over 51% or 51% or more of the grains are corn. And corn brings with it a lot of sweetness, which is why people like bourbon a lot. It's why I like bourbon a lot. It's probably why you like bourbon a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then – a lot of bourbon, the next piece of the puzzle is rye, which is the flavoring grain, but Maker's Mark chose to not use rye. Instead, they use wheat, and wheat is a little bit softer on the palate, kind of gets out of the way a little bit, lets some of the sweetness of the corn shine through a little bit more, which is why Maker's Mark, you know, for decades now, has been a very popular bourbon for a lot of people because it comes across a little softer on the palate. A little less spicy, a little more sweet, and you know that's just a decision they've made from their business standpoint to just make all of their bourbon be the secondary grain being wheat. Whereas, and, and it doesn't overpower so for um, like mixed drinks too, right? It's kind of popular in mixed drinks because it doesn't overpower mm-hmm. whatever like mixer. So it kind of provides the base, that kind of bourbon, you know, a base of it, and then it doesn't overpower whatever. You're, you know, the, the mix happens to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because in the nuances of American whiskey and particularly bourbon, you start getting into all this, you know, percentages of the grains that are involved. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day, that's this is why I say don't worry about getting too deep on the levels if you don't want to. You're far better off, in my opinion, served to just try it. Uh, I used to I used to be big into cars, and there was this thing in in the car world called bench racing, where you would look at one car's horsepower and weight versus another p- car's horsepower and weight, and you'd compare all this stuff on paper, and it was like you, we called it bench racing. At yeah. the end of the day, without those two cars next to each other and the drivers of those two cars racing to see which car was actually going to win and which driver was going to win. You didn't really know what was going to happen in a race. So when it comes to bourbon or, or scotch or whatever whiskey you're talking about, it's much the same way. I can look on paper and say bourbon A has predominant corn. Bourbon B has predominant corn. They both have to because they're bourbons. They have to have predominant corn in the recipe for that sweetness. But bourbon A could have rye as the secondary grain and bourbon B could have wheat and therefore bourbon B should be on paper, softer (laughs) on the palate, sweeter, all that stuff. But there's a lot of other factors that go into making things work the way they work in the world of bourbon and bourbon A on paper could look like the less approachable glass, but for your palate or for my palate or for someone listening to this, their palate, it could come across totally different for them. And so that's why I think the best approach to it is one of actual like real, you know, we, we joke around. It was not a joke. We, we lead off every video saying we're a real world channel for the real world whiskey consumer. Yeah. And that is to say that while I personally enjoy digging into this 
type of stuff. If Aaron were here on the call with me, she, you might hear her snoring because she's like, he's talking about mash bills again. <laughs> like, I don't care what percentage of whatever's in this thing. Like, I just care if I like it or not. And so we really try to speak to that. And, and that's why I always encourage people um, to, and maybe this is a little bit of my Nashville kind of small town vibes coming through here, but just the way I was raised is like, find a store that's local to you that, that you can talk to somebody there on a regular basis and you can tell them what you like. And then they can guide like that guy that helped you when you went in and said, Hey, I'm looking for something like, I don't want the bottom shelf. I don't want the top shelf. Just point me towards prototypical bourbon. Let me see if I like that. And he pointed you towards Basil Hayden. And that's honestly where I tell a lot of people to start too, because it's better than the bottom shelf stuff. It's not a top shelf item. You can get your hands on it pretty much anywhere, and it is very much the uh, the archetype of what bourbon should taste like on a very basic level, and you can start there. And then if you like that, you know, we can spin off from there and recommend, you know, a dozen other bottles that you should check out depending on what what it was that you liked about that bottle of Basil Hayden. Yeah, and and that's and that's a good segue too. So like a prototypical kind of flavor flavor profile, right? It, what someone would say a bourbon what bourbon would be was at the and again this is a very 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 like common denominator basic level here would be you know you got you got oak, um, typically you got a lot of vanilla, um, typically you got some some caramel and in the sweetness, right? I mean, that's, and then, and then after after all of that, then if you have kind of a more, and I don't, I, I, I try to pick out some stuff on, unless it's like really, really like like popping through, I can't pick out things like, oh, you know, like apple. Uh, and, and then some some people can pick out the difference between like, oh, this is like a, like a, like a dark fruit or like a red apple versus like a green apple. Or uh, like you, you say sometimes, it's like a Jolly Rancher, but this flavor Jolly Ranchers versus another flavor Jolly Rancher. I'm like, I mm-hmm. can't taste that, you know. Uh, banana sometimes will pop out um, if, it's, if it's pretty predominant. Um, cherry, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So um, I think that's, that's why I liked it compared to some of the, like I said, the, the scotches that I tried in, in, in the past, because scotches to me just seem like, like bitter pears, you know, like I get, I get pear, I get like, yeah. it's kind of bitter, bitter citrusy. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not my thing. But um, one, once I started drinking these, uh, the, the bourbon side of it and the rye side of it too, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, of some of these uh, ones that you guys have suggested. Like I, I love that bullet rye. Um, it's, it's, I, I tried, uh, the only other one I tried was that Tattersall rye, um, was, I mean, they, they have different profiles and one of them had more, uh, the Tattersall to me, I had, I, I'm not a big licorice fan, but I got a lot of licorice to kind of pop, pop through there and it actually worked, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, you know, as a sipper, it actually worked. But if you were to say, um, Hey, Emma, go get, uh, you know, do you, do you want some licorice, like actual, like, like black licorice? I'll be like, Ugh, I can't stand that licorice, like anise or anise, however you say it, you know, flavor. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't like that. But, um, so, so there's, there's just, there's just so much kind of avenues you can go down, um, with, with all these different products where some are a lot sweeter, some, like you say, taste like, oh man, this just tastes like all I'm tasting is like charred oak and nothing else, you know, and, and it's kind of ruining it for me. Some of it can be bitter. Um, some of it can be, again, smell like, a uh, I don't know, uh, like an ice cream sundae, you know what I mean? Whatever. So, um, we talked about proof a little bit here. Now you want to touch on what, what proof is versus like, you know, alcohol percentage and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can absolutely do that. And it, it's a fun conversation. I've got a great story about this as well. Um, the So proof and 
ABV or alcohol by volume are just two different ways of exp- explaining the same thing. And I, I think the funny thing about it is it's it's very much like imperial versus metric. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the rest of the world deals in ABV or alcohol by volume, which makes perfect sense, right? Like if it's 100% alcohol, then it's literally pure grain alcohol. If it's whiskey that has 50% alcohol, then half of it's alcohol, the other half is water and whatever, you know? So that makes sense to me for whatever reason. We hear we do proof and that's what works for my brain the best. So yeah, if you're dealing with a hundred percent grain alcohol, it's a hundred percent alcohol, but you just double it for the proof. So it's hundred percent grain alcohol is 200 proof, you know, to be whiskey specifically to be bourbon, you have to be at least 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume. If it's any less than that, even if it applies to all the other rules that make something a bourbon, if it's 79 proof or less, it's not bourbon. So that's just some of the standards that they have to abide by to make bourbon. But the Basil Hayden analogy is a perfect example of a good starter bottle because it's 80 proof. It's literally the floor of proof that you're going to get. And, you know, when, when it comes to sipping whiskey, I guess this is a really good point to make is that you should drink it however you want to drink it. So if you like it over ice, you should drink it over ice. If you like it with a few drops of water or even more than a few drops of water in it, that's how you should drink it. But if you want to get into sipping whiskey neat and exploring some of the flavors that can come out of it not to say you can't do that over ice as well or by adding water you absolutely can but it's also fun to do it without adding anything also and a good place to start if you're not familiar with it is around that 80 proof point or i would say up to 90 proof kind of leave that as your cap for the time being maybe up to 95 tops and give yourself a chance to acclimate to what you're drinking because it's going to burn. Like if you have more proof, it's probably going to burn more unless it has a reason why it doesn't. Like it's been very well blended by someone or it has age to kind of round out that proof point and make it come across a little bit softer. So it's not a hard and fast rule. But, you know, I thought to myself recently that, you know, I think I can really key in on some whiskeys that are higher proof and could be approachable to newcomers. And we went to uh, my youngest brother's wedding. I guess it was maybe a year and a half ago now. And we're at the wedding. I have a, a, a pour of whiskey neat. My wife, Erin, has a pour of whiskey wheat. Whiskey wheat. <laughs> whiskey neat. And uh, I actually had a, a scotch, a Glenlivet 12-year. And she had Maker's Mark, standard old Maker's Mark. That's the two best things they had at the bar. Um Coincidentally, in Minnesota, we were up there for my little brother's wedding, and so. Oh no, drinking. kidding! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got some family up there. Where, where, right where were you guys? Let me. Ask. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we were. Oh, we weren't where they lived. We have family all around in Egan and Lake Lakeville or uh, oh, okay. Lakeview. Um, yep. But I can't remember. It was a it was a wedding at a golf course somewhere just a little north of the cities. Okay. So uh, we were up there. We're at the reception where, you know, we've each got a poor neat. And we were talking to um, my stepsister, or not my step, my sister in law. 
And she's like, I don't know how you guys do that. And I was like, oh, well, these are actually both really approachable pours. Like, do you like something that's a little bit more sweet or do you tend to like drinks that are a little bit more, you know, you know, tempered sweetness and, and a little, maybe a little bit more savory or something. And so she told us, you know what? Oh, you know, I tend to like stuff that's a little bit more, you know, not so sweet, not like sugary sweet. And I was like, okay, well, let's steer away from the maker's mark then because that's yeah. a pretty sweet pour. I said, well, this Glenlivet, it's a scotch. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not too smoky or anything. It's very approachable. It's on the proof scale. It's 80 proof, 40% alcohol by volume. And I was like, this is going to be the pour that's just going to change Haley's life. She's going to take a sip of this <laughs> meat and she's going to say, oh, this, this drink's so easy and it's just, it's, it's so good. And I'm, I'm getting these different flavors and stuff. And she took a drink of it and you would have thought that somebody just lit a fireball in her mouth. <laughs> like she was, her reaction, I was like, is she putting on this? This is over the top, right? Cause this tastes almost like water to me. <laughs> Yeah. And she, and she was like, Oh my goodness, that's so hot and so sharp and everything. And I was like, okay, it is, you are drinking alcohol. Okay. You're sipping alcohol and it's room temp. So it's going to come across different than if it were over ice. Now your palate has acclimated to the fact that you're drinking alcohol. Take another sip, you know, just like a small sip, like you're drinking like a sip of hot coffee and see if, see if you get more, you know, it's more enjoyable for you this time. She did it the second time, and she was like, yeah, I don't think whiskey's for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's fair, you know? So it, it's the sort of thing with, with proof and alcohol by volume is it's start at the floor. Start down at 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume, you know, and then work your way up from there when your palate starts acclimating to what you're, uh, to what you're, what you're doing to it, you know? It, it's not normal to drink straight alcohol. So you got to, you got to ease into it. Sure. Yeah. And I actually looked up uh, just maybe like last week or whatever, just, just, just cause for, I don't know, shits and giggles. I was like, well, wh- where does proof come from? The term proof, right? Why we're different. Mm-hmm. And I Googled it. I Wikipedia it. And I can't remember right now, but it's like, uh, it, it goes back like a hundred some years where um, it has to do with uh <sighs> government regulations about like uh so people wouldn't get swindled on you know how much alcohol content was in it or was not in it and, and it was like uh it was it was it would it would light a match or some sort or whatever uh, and it would it would prove that it was at a certain above a certain alcohol so that was the proof that you needed yeah. you know what i mean and it's uh, go, go google it if, if people are interested but yeah i was like oh, that is so you know <laughs> there's 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 just a lot of old-timey stuff with that and there's a lot of old time it's kind of funny there's a lot of old-timey stuff to with like like traditional archery too you know that's just like mm-hmm. where do these terms come from you know but um yeah so anyway so that that's what that's what proof is and you're right there's 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 some that like are are higher proof that don't that don't really kind of like you know not knock your uh you know like blow your ears out you know or like flames coming out like in the cartoons you know um mm-hmm. when you sip them and then it's other ones that just feel like a lot sharper you know so it's all that's that's the fun of this is you just got to go and try different things and see what um you know work your way up and and kind of see what you know, see what works for you, what, what level you like. And then, you know, if you want to, you know, keep, try something, uh, higher proof and, you know, keep, there's, there's plenty of options, you know, that's, 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 that's the good part about this. Cause there's, there's a, there's a lot of varieties out there. So, um, 
so we kind of talked on like you know like what, what what a good starter would be right i mean coincidentally though by the way like i, I bought that one bottle actually i, mean, I might have bought another bottle of basil hayden at first but then um i think it's overpriced for what it is you know like i would never buy it again but for me it was like ah okay i get it this is quote unquote air quotes prototypical bourbon i get it now right and then that was like my entry into this and then from there i just kind of branched off like i said thanks to kind of you guys and other channels or whatever and i, I would just go and try different things so um you know i went um i tried like for example like four rows of small batch i love that one just the regular one not the select uh mm -hmm. wild turkey 101 i love that one uh, old forester 1910 1920 I love those um, rare breed. You guys got me under rare breed if I finally found some and uh, I love that one, you know. Um, so there's I, I don't know where I was going with that. But as far as like starters go, you know, there's there's plenty. And, and by the way, there's there's plenty of like in the beginning, I said, you know, hey, don't show me the bottom shelf stuff that that's assuming that all bottom shelf stuff um, is not good. But that's not true. Uh, no, there not, is, yeah. you know, like there's, there's an Evan Williams, what bottled and bond, right? It's like a white, mm -hmm. it's a white label one. It's like 20 bucks or something like that. And it's like 23 bucks or whatever for like the one liter. Um, and I've never had it. I'm still, I, I, I I'm, I'm going to go get one of those just, just to try it. But I mean, everybody raves about this thing and it's like, like dirt cheap, right? Uh, yeah. the early times there's an early times. I still haven't tried that one. Everyone raves about it dirt cheap. So you don't necessarily have to, you, you, you should obviously do your research because not everything on that lower shelf is good but there's certainly if you want to try this and it's whatever your budget happens to be it's like man i really don't want to spend 60 bucks on a bottle of old forester or something like that right you can mm -hmm. you can do the 20 bucks and as long as you know which one to get you know from reviews then i think you'll be pretty happy and then kind of work your way you know work your way you save up for you know other bottles that's fine but it doesn't mean that you're kind of priced out of um priced out of the market let's say you know because honestly you can get that for you know about the price of like a case of cheap beer yeah oh for sure. <laughs> you know it's it, it really is uh the type of thing that i don't think when people start getting into whiskey that they fully realize the truth of how much it parallels so many other hobbies out there so i don't know a lot about bow hunting but when it comes to you know i know that in the world of shotguns, you can spend a ton of money on a fantastic over-the-top shotgun with all this, you know, ornate engraving mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And it, it can be an amazing, amazing shotgun. But also Remingtons are really good. They get the job done almost just as well. And in some cases, they are the better tool for the job. And you don't have to spend a bunch of money on one, you know? You don't have to and worry so, about dinging one up, yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. it, it's that way when it comes to, you know, shotguns for hunting or, or shooting or whatever, you know, targets. And, or it's that way, I'm sure, with bows. You know, there's – you can – I don't know this to be a fact. I guarantee you can go out and spend $5,000 on a bow if you want to. Probably more. But there's probably bows out there for dramatically less money. And there's – I'm sure there's some on the very low end that are, are junk. But there's – there are some I'm sure there's some value superstars that are out there that are just like that good old faithful, just the mm -hmm. trusty, reliable piece of gear that you can count on. And then you can spend a little bit more or a little bit more and you can get something that has, you know, it's more full featured. It might have something that really fits your needs more specifically. But then as with every hobby, at some point you're going to hit that point of diminishing returns where, you know, could I spend two X? of what I'm going to spend 
and get a quote unquote better bow or a better bottle of whiskey, yeah, you can, but it doesn't mean it's going to do anything different for you than the one that cost half the money because the one that costs half the money is very serviceable just as it is. So then what is the reason to spend more money? Well, maybe you right. really and, and, appreciate and if, that company. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you are budgeting to, let's say it's a monthly budget, weekly budget, whatever you want to say, you know, the one that may be cheaper that you're like, hey, this this is just fantastic. This is great. Um, you, you can make your dollars stretch for multiple, you know, <laughs> bottles of that versus like another one where you're like, man, I really got to save up for this one and uh, yeah. only, only bring it out on special occasions. So, yeah, no, absolutely. That's um, so. Um, off the top of your head, then, and we can kind of get into. I kind of want to knock off. Um, uh, we kind of t- we kind of tipped our toes in a little a little bit, but um, we talked about starters. Uh, we gave a couple good suggestions, and if you want to give a couple more, maybe. And then I kind of want to get into like. Um, let, 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 let's do it. I know everybody does this, right? But I'm, I'm okay doing it too. Like the, the everyday sipper, like good starter, everyday sipper versus like, hey, this is like a once a week kind of treat. And then the um, man, this this one I bring out on very, very special occasions, right? So yeah. this is, and again, this is different for everybody, but according mm-hmm. to Josh, right? So this is your list and your list alone. Um, right. You know, let's kind of go through that. So, I mean, let's, let's, let's start off like uh, we already said, if you were going to suggest uh someone start off with like an entry level you know low price whatever we can you know we've got that um well no you say it you 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 take it over let's let's let's, i'll leave in your court yeah and it's and people you know if anybody follows the channel they may be interested in my specific answers and i will answer specifically but it's hard for me to just do only that because it's a matters of taste and so context has to be provided or at least want to give people something to go off of so when it comes to something that, you know, you're going to go to, you know, maybe you just want to after dinner, and this is the way I am, after dinner, I just want to have one glass of something. You know, I want to sit down at the end of the night, have a glass of something in my hand while Aaron and I are watching a television show to kind of wind down for the end of the night before we crash out. So for that, I'm like you said, I'm not going to the most expensive thing I've got. I'm going to something I can get fairly easily, fairly inexpensively and that I can easily replace. So for me, I tend to really like, and and my answer could be the same across the board. I tend to like the wild turkey profile a lot. I didn't even Mm -hmm. know that was the case until I actually started doing some blind tastings and buying bottles of wild turkey because I never gave it the time of day. But something like a wild turkey 101 or a Russell's tenure, those are going to be two bottles, depending on what I want, you know, very fitting for my profile preferences. And yeah, I got both I of t- those right now upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And I tend to look, I tend to like spicy food. I tend to like big flavors in my food. I also like big flavors and a little bit of spice in my whiskey as well. I don't tend to like things that are very quote unquote smooth or really fruit forward or easy sipping. That stuff comes across a little bit boring to me, personally speaking. I think you and I became best friends over the internet, by the way. So, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's just my preferences, right? But other people, when they drink whiskey, they want it to be smooth and fruit forward and way more approachable. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, you got to think about what you want and what you tend to like the most. So for me, I might say something like Wild Turkey 101 or my, one of my new favorites that is not available in every market, but it's trickling out to more and more markets by the day, I'm sure, 
is a, a bottle called Green River Bourbon. Hmm. About 30 or $35. It's 90, I think it's 90 proof. It may be 95 proof, but it's it's kind of like a horseshoe shaped bottle in a weird way. You'd have to see it. It's a horseshoe on the bottom and then the shape of the bottle mimics that from the way up. So the front of it is flat and then the rest of the bottle is curved, but it's out of uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, and they're making really good, really, really good bourbon. And it is relatively inexpensive. I know a long time, $30 for me was a lot to spend on a bottle of whiskey and now we're way off the train tracks now, <laughs> but you know, starting off $30 can be a lot of money to spend. Uh, I realize that. And so if you do like something that has a little bit of spice, a little bit of character, Green River or Wild Turkey 101 is a great place to start. I would say if you are that type of person that tends to like your whiskey more smooth and sweet, then it's, you know, you, you really can't go wrong if you can find a bottle of Buffalo Trace in your market grab that. If you can't find Buffalo Trace, grab you a bottle of Bowman Brothers small batch, and it's it should be about $25 or $28. Uh, I would also recommend checking Evan Williams 1783. That's a, a really good, easy sipper. You can get those for about 17 bucks. And I had one more that was, oh, if you, if you try any of those and you like them, then definitely check out Early Times Bottled and Bond if they have it in your market because it also is very sweet. Um, and then the last one would be 1792 Small Batch if you can find that in your market, which it's in almost every market. It's also sweet, sugary, kind of fruit forward, and it's going to fit – those are all going to fit the profile of something that's more sweet and smooth compared to something that's a little bit more – spicy and full flavored like a wild turkey 101 or that green river yeah um how about your uh your once a week treat let's say right something you know, it's not like an everyday every night kind of thing but um you're like man i'm gonna i'm, up, I'm, I'm gonna up it up a little bit it's friday night saturday night whatever and uh a little little more i don't know a little more developed flavors that kind of thing what, what do you what are you reaching for yeah, so we're we're going right back to wild turkey, man. I'm going with wild <laughs> turkey rare breed. Rare breed, exactly. <laughs> yep, I was gonna say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man, it's it's so good. Uh, it is 116.8 proof right now. Over time, that may change, but they've kind of got it standardized to that for the time being. Last last couple years, and it'll probably stay that way for at least a few more years, I I bet. But it's you're talking about bigger flavor, a little bit more age, so there's a little bit more depth to the flavors that are in there, and Aaron says that it tastes like you're sitting. It's, it, it reminds her, it gives the visual in her head of like a guy sitting in the library with like a cardigan with some like leather patches <laughs> and smoking a pipe. And like, you know, you get all this stuff, you know, it, it's like this whole scene that she paints in her mind when she smells and tastes rare breed. But it, you're dealing with way more flavor, obviously, the with the flavor and the age and stuff, or maybe not obviously that stuff costs more money. So the bottle, instead of being a $25 bottle of Wild Turkey 101, you're talking about a $55 bottle of Rare Breed. So not something you want to reach for quite as often if you're a um, financially conscious, uh, fairly frugal person like we tend to be. Uh, as I say that, as we have probably over 150 50 bottles of whiskey now. Yeah. <laughs> so can't say we're too price conscious, but you know, 
that's where our hearts are. You know, we, we don't want to spend a ton. So, you know, reaching for something like a, a rare breed or something like a Knob Creek 120 proof single barrel or a Russell's Reserve single barrel. Those are the types of things that we would reach for uh, on more of like a weekend night just to enjoy something. that's a little bit more proofy, a little more flavorful, maybe not as easy to replace budget wise or some of those single barrels that I mentioned, which is a whole other can of worms. Um, you know, there's, it's a single barrel of whiskey that fills those bottles. So once that barrel is gone, those flavors are maybe close in other products from that company, but never exactly the same. Yeah. So those are, those are a little bit more fun and nerdy to explore. So how about the, uh, super high end? You're going to break this out on like super special occasions. Well, that's a, and I didn't plan this actually, but this is a perfect transition because a lot of times we, I particularly love to buy those single barrel products because a single barrel of bourbon is only going to yield somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 200 bottles, give or take a little bit. So what I'll do is if I get a really good single barrel, let's say I get a really good single barrel of Russell's Reserve or a really good single barrel of Knob Creek, and I taste it and I'm like, wow, this is one of the best single barrels of bourbon I've ever had. Those are the ones I tend to tuck back and have for special occasions and, you know, for myself. And then when I have friends and family over and things like that, that's where I'm willing to spend a little bit more. And I like to share those types of bottles. Feels a little indulgent to grab a, a, a bottle that costs three figures and just enjoy it for myself unless, you know, I don't know, you know, there's some kind of like life milestone or a birthday or anniversary yeah. or something. but outside of those, you know, I'm a big fan of, and at the time of, of this recording, I can say this, that these bottles do sit on shelves. There's a, a brand called Calumet Farms hmm. and they have a 14, 15, 16 year product. And they usually run about 99, 119 or 129 and 149 or 159 respectively for those age ranges. So you're a lot of age, Kentucky bourbon. It's got tons of flavor, a lot of layers of flavor. And those are the types of bottles that, you know, me personally speaking, are great special occasion pours. In addition to that, I'm a huge fan of Elijah Craig, in particular, their barrel proof products. And you mentioned Elijah Craig barrel proof A123, which that's the batch designation for the current batch of Elijah Craig A123. Huge fan of that bottle. Um, you know, some of those single barrels and the batches of, of special release products like that are, are what I key in on for special occasions. That's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I haven't tried that one. I've tried the regular Elijah Craig. I haven't tried any of the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the barrel proofs? Barrel proof. Thank you. There we go. Um, so, again, good good, good segue there. Uh, I know we've kind of been on like an hour, so I want to wrap up with a couple other kind of definitions here. So we hear a lot about um, small batch. We hear barrel proof. Uh, we hear uh, select, um, bottled and bond, that kind of stuff, right? Um, what what are those exactly? And, 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 you know, what is exact, you know, what is... Um, 
what is necessary to be on the label you know like i said earlier as far mm -hmm. as like regulations go you know like you can you can only call it as a, a something if it if it has if it meets certain criteria versus you know what what is what is marketing designed to kind of catch your eye and be like oh this is it says such and such on it you know what i mean like like cars nowadays right i mean mm -hmm. um we, we've had we've had fuel injection for the last like 30 40 years right but like those every now and then you'll still see a car that's that says on the trunk like fuel injected right that's like well duh yeah. of course <laughs> you know what i mean efi so so, so what are yeah exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> what, what so what does that mean yeah um I, so much of bourbon is the story behind it like the history behind bourbon and if you want to get really nerdy you can go into that but equally as important to bourbon and whiskey in general is the marketing and boy oh boy is there so much marketing out there and it can really make your head spin when you walk into a store and you're looking at a shelf and you see dozens upon dozens upon dozens of bottles and they've all got all this terminology on them or they've got some award from some tasting competition which doesn't mean it's going to be good at all by the way well not uh, only that but they make the bottles like themselves you know they try yeah. to make them sexy they try to make them stand out you know there's there's a whole yeah. visual appeal to that too you know before you even oh. get to the label <laughs> absolutely hey that honestly back in the day that's what i that's why i bought bottles uh yeah, yeah i was a big fan of you mentioned Four Roses Small Batch. That was one of my early loves in bourbon because the bottle is like curvy and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was reading some books back to the Gunslinger series from Stephen King. And there's like roses ties in and all that. And it's like, oh, oh. Cool, roses and a cool <laughs> shaped bottle and stuff like I'm all in on it. So they get you in all the different ways. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think one of your best designations to look for when you're buying any bottle of bourbon specifically or rye is straight straight bourbon or straight rye which means that they can't tamper with it or fiddle with it or you know it, it already is an indicator of a certain level of quality when it has the word straight on it as opposed so, to blended right? as opposed or, yeah relatively speaking i mean a, a lot of straight bourbons are blends like four roses oh. small batch um small batch technically doesn't have a legal designation but I love to use the example of single barrel versus small batch. So single barrel, again, I, I touched on this earlier, but it is literally one 53-gallon barrel of whiskey that is bottled. And whether water is added to reduce the proof or, or whatever, that's the distillery's decision when they put that thing on the market. Like Elijah Craig Barrel Proof is a blend of multiple different barrels that is then put into bottles but you can buy an elijah craig barrel proof single barrel which is just one singular barrel of whiskey that is bottled and it is not going to have the same taste as the product that is blended from dozens and dozens of barrels so it can be more unique and that could mean good or bad things you don't really know until you taste it um, but something like a small batch should be, if it's not for marketing purposes, it should be a designation of a product that will be somewhat more consistent. So even over time, small batches will drift because whiskey gets its flavor from working in and out of the wood as the weather changes over the course of seasons. So if you think 
let's say there's a 10-year bourbon that lived in a barrel between the years of 2000 and 2010 versus a bourbon that lived in a barrel between the years of 2010 to 2020, well, those 10-year periods of time have different – like even if it's in the same climate, some su- summers are going to be hotter, some winters are going to be cooler or warmer. So even with your small batch products that should be more consistent, they're still going to have – some variation in flavor over the course of time, which kind of makes whiskey the perfect moving target. And it it keeps people coming back to try how things are over time. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about wild Turkey one one And one of the things that people love to do is they love to buy a bottle of wild Turkey one one let's say five years ago, somebody bought a bottle of wild Turkey one one They'll hold on to that bottle for, an undisclosed amount of time, let's say it's five years, and then they'll go buy one today, and then they'll love to compare them. And even though mm. it's the same product, it's going to taste different because it it was it's a time capsule. Whiskey is literally a time capsule of distilled spirit that was aged in an oak barrel. You know, it it is literally a time capsule. Of yeah, oak. I was going to use that term actually. That you yeah. said, it. yeah, no, that's 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 funny. Yeah. Um, which for the nerdy, well, how, how many years does it have to be fun. in a barrel, by the way, to be officially, uh, is, is there like an official, like, is, is a minimum four years? Is that, um, for, or is that not true for straight bourbon? It has to be four years. Okay. And if it, if it's labeled as bourbon under, if it doesn't say straight bourbon, if it's under four years, it has to say how long it was in there. So it has to say like, it could say straight bourbon and then it has to say, 36 months in a barrel or three years Mm. or whatever you know so some of them some of them like to use the term straight but then they'll put a lower age statement on there generally speaking bourbon gets its flavor from proof or age or some combination of the both of them so you know depending on what you're looking for a lot of people tend to like bourbons that are about six to eight years old and you know 90 to 100 proof i would say is is pretty standard palate preferences for most people's bourbon that they enjoy um but you know if you have a bourbon technically speaking a bourbon only has to be aged in oak for a few minutes i i think uh perhaps blue ribbon has a bourbon that on the bottle literally says that it's been in a oak barrel for one minute no way (laughs) and technically it is still bourbon because it has <laughs> it is a distilled spirit that has been aged for one minute in, a, in, in new a barrel. charred oak barrels. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, it's that's why you have to watch out for some of the terminology because so much of it is marketing. But I think the big the big ones really are small batch should indicate more consistency. Single barrel is gonna tell you that there's gonna be a little bit more variation as you buy that product over the period of time. But if you find, like, let's say you go to the store and you buy four roses, single barrels today and you get it home and you try it, you just love that bottle. It's everything you ever wanted a bottle to be. Go back to the store and buy another one. Now don't wait three months till the bottle's gone. Or if that's the only bottle you're drinking, you know, a few weeks or a month or whatever, don't wait because then there might be, the next single barrel that comes into the store that tastes completely different, you know, Sure. whereas the, the small batch within the course of a year's time, two years time, it's going to be fairly consistent. 
So those are the two big ones to watch out for, or not watch out for, but just small batch versus single barrel. How consistent do you want it to be versus how much do you want to play around with different single barrels and see how those can influence the flavor of the bourbon that you're drinking? And then check out for straight to make sure that, you know, there's at least some age on it. Look for an age statement on the bottle. And if it does, if it says straight and it doesn't have an age statement on the bottle, then it's going to be at least four years old if it's bourbon. That's them's the rules. That's literally federal law that they have to abide by. Yep. And so at least you have some benchmarks as to like a, a basically a quality threshold floor of, hey, if this says small batch or single barrel, if it says straight bourbon and there's no other age listed on the bottle, I know I'm dealing with a product that may be fairly decent quality at a minimum. Let me try this and you know work from here see what else I like beyond this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Lot to, again, yeah, lot, lot to take in for the, for the newbie. You know what I mean? So it's, it's good that, it uh, is. you know, something like this, like your channel and, uh, you know, stuff exists to kind of answer some of that stuff because, uh, yeah, you can kind of get tricked into some of the marketing or even if it's not even like trickery, it's just, you just, you just need to know like, you know what they are to be able to make a, a more informed decision about like does it matter to me that you know they always taste the same or does it matter to me if, uh, if it's uniqueness you know what i mean or do i just want the same thing over and over and over again kind of thing so um mm -hmm. it just yeah. helps the consumer you know make a more informed decision so yeah that's that's good so um yeah. i would like to real quick piggyback something on that yeah one of the funny things about uh the world of whiskey in particular in a lot of ways it mirrors you know us as humans societally but you know, if you're in a room full of, you know, let's say you, you know, you're hanging out with a, a group of friends and they're all hunters, you know, and you got, you know, the guy that's bragging about being the best hunter in the group probably isn't, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of the bottles that sit on the shelves that say like special reserve or select or whatever, you know, when they start using terminology that if, if the bottle is trying to get you to buy it, it's probably not worth buying. Like a lot of the best bourbon out there doesn't beckon you to buy it by what it says on the bottle. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very much some of the best stuff out there is coming from some of the legacy distilleries in Kentucky that have been doing it for generations. And that's why I love, I loved the fact that so many of those legacy distilleries have, the smaller bottles that you can purchase rather than buying into a full 750 milliliter bottle, you can buy a 375 or you maybe even could buy a little shooter of it or something. Oh yeah. I suppose and, it, yeah. And, and I would, re I would highly recommend that people, you know, buy some of the main legacy distilleries, you know, get yourself a knob Creek nine year, get yourself uh, an Elijah Craig 94 proof, small batch Buffalo trace. If you can find it, uh, Evan Williams 1783 or Evan Williams white label bottle and bond a four roses small batch you know grab yourself some of these legacy distilleries preferably at the same time it I know that's a little bit of investment a lot of people don't like to spend that much money on bourbon at once but I would recommend just if you're really getting into it more and more I, I would I would say just invest in that to you know buy some of those that I just mentioned throw in a maker's mark 46 and throw in like a 1792 small batch and just try them and, and, and spend some time, you know, one or two or three nights a week, just 
pour yourself a little glass, however you like to drink it, and, and get familiar with that profile, and then go to the next bottle in the line and try that one and, and think about, you know, do I like this better or worse or about the same as the last one? And if you work your way through it in that way, it can really reveal a lot of your own personal preferences as far as what you like the most. I mean, think about it like a uh, restaurant hopping, you know, like we've all got those restaurants that we go to that we love. Like I've got my burger place and everybody's got their Mexican restaurant, right? Like, yeah. I mean, almost wars could be started over that. Yep. And then, you know, everybody's got their Chinese place or whatever. Like we've all got our restaurants we love, but you know, sometimes you want to find a new restaurant. So you got to, you got to go restaurant hopping. It's kind of the same with, with bourbon or rye or scotch or whatever. You, you gotta, you gotta go bottle hopping to find the, the profile that you want to explore a little further. Totally. And, and to that, I would also add like, you know, definitely like, don't, don't just base it off just like the one time you try it or a few sips or whatever. Right. I mean, come back to it, try it again a few days later, because day to day, like your palate changes like that, uh, that Russell's mm-hmm. uh, 10 year, for example. Right. Um, that's the first bottle, like that, that speaking of like not being able to pick out notes and stuff, that's the first one I actually picked out like, Oh, cherry. Right. That actually popped out yeah. at me like, wow, Hey, good, good for me. I actually like, you know, picked up on a note and, um, but smelling it was actually better than sipping it like that w- one time. And then because for some reason, like halfway through the pour, it was like it was like a like a finger, finger and a half pour, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. it, I started to get like a little bit of a bitter you know, flavor with that. I'm like, that's weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I'm working my way through the bottle or whatever. And then the next time it was totally fine. Um, I think it's I, I didn't get that bitter, bitter kind of um, uh, finish on it or or that i did the first time so every yeah yeah, it's not even an aftertaste it maybe it's like mid mid taste not like mid palate but like mid whatever you want to call it but um Mm -hmm. anyway like so day to day your palate will change um your uh perception of what's in it will change if you have like a cold or something like that right i mean because smell is like a huge part of tasting anyway right that's why we sniff it you know just like anything else with food whatever right i mean it's part of the whole experience so um you know don't just try it a few times and then kind of get a bunch of data points and say, okay, I, I really do like this or I really don't like this kind of thing. Um, it'll, 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 it'll trend one way or another and it's going to be, you know, like you guys do thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever. And, you know, if you watch enough of these, um, whether it's your, your channel or any of these other ones, and they do a lot of these blind tastings, um, a lot of times, like, you know, one that you guys have absolutely like raved about, you know, just knocks everything else on its socks, you know, makes wins, whatever. Um, you'll do a blind taste test one day and it'll come out the loser. And you're like, eh, it didn't really do anything for me, you know, and it turns yeah. out again, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's rare breed or something, which is like, like your guys is, you know, probably one of the top you know ones you guys drink all the time right so it's different we're all different and your flavors change taste change all that stuff so um that's that's part of the fun too you know you don't always get the same experience every time you uh every time you 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 pour something so i like that i like that aspect of it and it and it honestly it's a shame um well, it's not a shame. It's actually awesome that you made. That's the best point of the whole episode, by the way. It's a shame oh, that good. it happened. Hey. <laughs> this, it, it's a shame that it happened this late in the episode, but we kind of have to get through some of this other stuff to actually bring up this point. But you're absolutely right. Um, it's it's actually made me reconsider in my own personal life uh, how I react to certain restaurants and things like that. So mm-hmm. very much what you're saying is true. Whiskey, r- rare breed in particular, we drink a fair bit of it. And that is one of our favorite pours. There are times where we've tried it either knowing what it is or 
on the channel, we've tried it blind and it's the best whiskey we could possibly imagine in that moment. Nothing is going to hit the spot better than it would. And there's other times where we've tried it on the channel completely blind and it has come across extremely pedestrian and just like, it's like, Oh yeah, this tastes like a thousand other bourbons I've ever tried. You know, it's your, your taste buds, your mood, the company that you're with, uh, how tired you are, you know, whether you're, you know, you're, kids fifth grade math homework is driving you crazy like all these different factors play into whether like how you enjoy it on any particular day and even the taste itself like i think there's this weird thing at least my perception of it in the world of whiskey is that people just want to find their whiskey that's like the one whiskey that's really good and that's the one they want to have and for some reason, people treat whiskey that way, but they don't treat the other liquids as they drink that way. Like sometimes they want a Coca-Cola. Sometimes they want sweet tea, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they want Mexican food. Sometimes they want that cheeseburger. And it look, I could eat Mexican food almost every day of the week. Actually, I, I do eat Mexican food every day of the week. <laughs> but if if I'm in a mood for a cheeseburger, I don't care how good the taco is. I'm not going to like it. So, yep, 100%. you know, it, you have it so much of uh, the enjoyment of the hobby of whiskey. If, if people are listening to this, you know, I'm sure there are people out there in the bow hunting world. They've got their one bow and they just they want to become one with it. And I totally mm-hmm. get that. Yeah. Um, it's this is different than that. You know, this is this is taste and your taste buds are a little different every day. And then it's more of like the listeners that you have that they've got like five different bows from different manufacturers or the same manufacturer. And they're just different models because they yeah. like that variety. They like the way this one shoots for this particular type of game or whatever. And you know, it's in the world of whiskey as a hobby. It's so much like that to where, you know, I want to, I want to know that I've got these three or four bottles and depending on my mood, I can gravitate toward one or the other, which calls back to my advice to just try to grab a handful of bottles from, you know, some of the bigger distilleries, some of those foundational bottles that are, have been on the shelf for decades and are going to be on the shelf for decades more and try those and see which one hits you, like hits you and your taste buds a certain day. Cause there's, there's pours that I absolutely love to sit down at the end of the night with, but I don't even want to think about sipping them on a hot day. Like I love big, bold flavors, spicy pours. I love that at the end of the night while we're sitting down watching a TV show in the air conditioning. But if I have to be hanging outside with my family on 4th of July, you know, like, you know, throwing cornhole and, you know, just hanging out and stuff. Dude, I need something that's easy sipping, generally sweet. I might even throw it in a glass of tea or something like I. I got to have something that's a lot more approachable. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's a uh, different tools for different jobs. Right. And it's, and whiskey's no different. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to prove the point too, like if, if you watch your channel, like I, I, I really like your, uh, your, your, your responses to, uh, sometimes some of the reveals, right. Like your, your mm-hmm. reactions to them, like really crack me up because you're like, Oh my God, like no way. <laughs> like it just blows you away. Like, like there's no way, there's no way in hell that was that, that was the, uh, you know, yeah. the whatever, because it just the shock, the shock of like, what, you know, that that was that, you know, and it just proves the point that we're, you know, we, we, 
we change daily, you know, if, if mm-hmm. you know, our, our tastes change daily kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if you were to do the exact same kind of comparison, let's say like the following day, the results may be completely different. <laughs> oh, know? absolutely. And yeah. we try to highlight that too. You know, we try yeah. to speak to that and in, We've even, you know, sometimes I'm not always the best at it, but I really try to make a point of uh, putting a whiskey in a scene when we're when we're tasting it on the channel and just saying like, oh, this is the type of pour that I want to just sit down with and and really spend some time with and unpack because there's so much going on. Or this is an easy summer sipper, like this is what I want in my glass when it's hot out. Or yeah, this is this is the type of pour I want in my glass. It's just generally good and enjoyable. This is something I want to have in my glass if. We're sitting down to watch a movie and I don't want to think about what I'm drinking. I just want to enjoy it, you know, and mm-hmm. con- contextualize what you're drinking in that sense, because I think that can help guide people. And not only that, but what I hope it does is I hope it makes people think about, you know, just think that one layer deeper, like before you go deeper on the mash bills and, and the grain ratios and, you know, the distillery history and all that stuff, which I love all that stuff too. But before you go there, just think about it in terms of your own personal preferences and what do I really like and why do I like it? You know, like I think we all know, you know, if you like your favorite, again, you like your favorite Mexican restaurant, you know, you know, you like it, you know, it's your favorite. But why? You know, Mm -hmm. I know for me, it's that particular restaurant that we like to go to. Their food just seems to have more flavor than the other ones. And I tend to like big flavors in my food. So who knows? It's probably MSG, but (laughs) It's great. That's what I know. And so that's that's where we go. So when I you know, when you think about it in terms of your whiskey, like you got to think about how like what is it that you're liking about it? You don't have to have a bunch of flavor notes and and you don't have to be able to articulate everything that you're thinking, you know, but I think everybody can just generally say, oh, this is like this is sweet and it's easy sipping or they could say, oh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this kind of like some people like that bitter note, you know, and and I like that bitter note. And I like the fact that this has some spice to it, you know, and and it doesn't have to be so high level all the time. And, and hopefully what we do brings it down a little bit, you know, to a more approachable level. But more than all that, I, I hope people it, it inspires people to think about their own preferences not from such a heady tasting note space, but just from more of a, like a real world, for lack of you know a better word, um, approach to it. Because it's at the end of the day, it, you know, it doesn't matter if I can get more tasting notes than you can or any of your listeners or whatever. Uh, whiskey is a is a the type of thing that you can enjoy by yourself, but it also has a whole community around it, like so many of these hobbies that we love. I mean, for God's sakes, we're we're all we're, we're on a podcast about bow hunting, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a community around this, you know, there's people watching Aaron and I talk about whiskey on YouTube. Like it's it's way more about that community that surrounds all these things and the, the relationships that can come into your life through them, the bridges that they can build more than like exactly how many tasting notes are in this or if you and i think the exact same thing about a glass or whatever like that's just the fun stuff to nerd out about together but it, it really is a you know it, 
whiskey is a very communal spirit and i that's what i like about it the most yeah i do and i gotta say like uh usually like youtube comments are like the absolute like bottom cesspool of humanity right but um <laughs> y- you know i i read a lot of the comments uh you know on, on your channel and stuff just to see what people are thinking of your opinions and w- how much people are paying for certain bottles in their markets and stuff and it, it doesn't seem to be that way so fingers crossed knock on wood or i don't want to jinx you guys but um yeah it, it typically is 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 a uh a more uh uh, friendlier crowd than like oh you're you know you're you're a bunch of idiots what the hell are you do you know <laughs> like yeah it's it that that tends to devolve in in youtube so but um well listen man i know you got to go pick up your daughter i got to go pick up my daughter pretty soon here so um it, it, anything we haven't really touched on here that that you want to uh that you want to you know touch on real quick before we wrap it up uh no i think that kind of last point that i I talked about was really it and that point that you made about taste differing but yeah at the end of the day you know i just i would encourage people it's a fun hobby it's a slippery slope so be careful um as far as spending money on trying the next bottle and the next bottle and the next that's the slippery slope i'm talking about but it can also be a slippery slope you know and and i'm always conscious of the fact that there may be people that are listening to this that may have a problem and you know it, it's to me, it's a self-limiting hobby because there's only so much I can drink. I'm 39 years old, going on 40 here in just two months. And, uh, you know, I don't, if I overdo it, I, I pay for it dearly the next day. But, um, yeah, you know, there are some people that, that do have a real problem with this. And I've, you know, there are people in my family that have that. And so I'm always sensitive to that. So if there's anybody listening to this that, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about all the good stuff about it, but, you know, Drink responsibly always. Yeah, and it have, is alcohol. Have a good, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and have a good yeah. time when you want to have a good time and everything. But if you struggle with it, like you know, I'm there's other hobbies like get into get into anything else, get into bow hunting, you know, like go deep, <laughs> go deeper down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so you know, I always try to to caution people of like, you know, I just try to be mindful of that. You know, that's something that's always in the back of my mind. And um, but yeah, I mean. F- for the people that are, we call it, we say whiskey curious, the people who are whiskey curious, um, it, it can be a really fun hobby and it's a, a really good community around it. And yeah, I would, I would encourage you to explore it a little bit more, try things different ways, again, over ice, neat with a few drops of water in it and, uh, enjoy the journey. Cause that's really what it's about. Enjoy the journey and the community around it. Um, it's, it's it as it with any hobby it can be something really special if you approach it with the right frame of mind and the right expectations um but it's a lot of fun perfect uh where can everyone follow you guys stuff and whiskey stuff a n d whiskey not stuff in s t u f f i n not that one <laughs> i'm from tennessee i kind of <laughs> i kind of roll it together stuff and yeah. whiskey yeah, stuff and whiskey over on YouTube. It's stuff and whiskey, uh, and we're on Instagram, and we're not really on Instagram all that much, but <laughs> you know, I check it every few days. Um, but really, the YouTube platform is is where we exist. And if you happen to get more plugged into the hobby and you feel like you want to be more involved and, and all that stuff, then we do a little bit more of like virtual events and things like that through our Patreon community. But that's next level stuff you don't really have to worry about that if you're just hearing this for the first time um yeah just check out our channel check out a lot of other channels there's a lot of great channels out there i'll be the first person to tell you guys that we are not the channel for everybody um you're probably going to find other channels that you might like more or you might like worse or whatever but 
yeah, just just like with matters of taste in bottles of whiskey, you got to find the right channel that you you click with and you like their approach and their their way of speaking about what they're experiencing and all that stuff. So, yeah, shop around a little bit, have fun. Um, I, I just I, I will leave this as my parting thought. I watched an interview recently and a, a guy was talking about he's it, he was specifically speaking about a hobby and he said you know everybody just wants to be happy and a part a big part of being happy is having fun and a big part of, about having fun is just finding things to be interested in and when you have those interests they fuel you know that fuels your passion which leads to you having fun which leads to you being happy and it's a self-fulfilling cycle right uh, and it was kind of a heady thing to talk about in as silly a hobby space as this particular thing was um but i was like wow that is actually really profound like this guy's just talking about enjoying this hobby but really it is it's, it's about just finding something to be interested in and then boy if you can get plugged into the community around it then that that'll really that'll really add to the enjoyment of it all but you know i, I think we as adults um we got a lot. We all have a lot going on. So if you can find some things that you can just have fun with and enjoy and, and share with other people, then that's a beautiful thing. Perfect. I love it. Perfect closing thoughts. So hang on, hang on the uh, thing with me while we stop recording here. But thanks everybody for listening. So uh, go check out Josh and Aaron. Um, again, the banter is great. Uh, just everything we've talked about. So um, a great, great channel. Go check out other stuff. You know, reach out to them or whatever. If you've got any questions, I'm sure if you're trying to get into this. Certainly don't reach out to me because I'm not the expert, <laughs> but, um, you know, find find other avenues and stuff. But, uh, yeah, with that said, thanks, everybody, for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.